You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to a very special combination Record Rangers and Record Celtic podcast going out on both podcast channels. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Daily Records' Michael Gannon to pick over the bones of Rangers' 1-0 victory over Celtic at Ibrox. Michael, we'll start off with Celtic. A terrible performance. Where did it all go wrong? Where do you start with Celtic? I mean, it was a um, surprisingly awful performance uh, from start to finish from Celtic. I mean, we've seen the team sheet before the game... Eyebrows were raised, thinking, what, what's this formation going to be? Where are they all going to play? How's it, how are they going to set up? Um, and it, it never really convinced right from the start that the lineup or formation, the, the, the players involved. Um, but Celtic pl- were poor. But I think you've got to say that the, the Rangers imposed their game on Celtic and, and, and allowed that to happen. It wasn't just Celtic being poor. I think the way Rangers played uh, forced Celtic into a lot of mistakes. And um, and there was a lot of mistakes being made uh, right the way through the, the park. You look at the middle of the park, the fighting ground middle of the park was, was key. I don't think I've seen Celtic as poor in that area for a long, long time. Uh, the central partnership, Scott Brown, Oliver Cham, very, very poor, the two of them. I think, And I think that was key to the, the entire match because uh, Celtic's plays all building from the back through the midfield. Uh, and those guys, they pick up the ball deep, they carry it, move it forward through the through the phases. Didn't happen. Um, I don't think I've seen Scott Brown be so wasteful with the ball. When we talk about in Europe, the 96% pass completions and all that stuff, I'd love to see the stats for, for Saturday. Um, give the ball away so many times. Cham never looked at the races all day, never convinced with the ball at his feet. Um, Which convince. is unusual for him, because that's he's his been, number he's been, one. He's been poor for a while. Uh, he's been poor... This season, actually, I would say. I don't know if it's... Um, there's a bit of transfer talk in the summer, but he's never really hit the heights this year. Um, he was poor, and he was very poor on, on Saturday. You take Cal McGregor out that midfield and put him at a, a left wing-back, left-back role, um, you're, you're basically robbing the side of, of probably the best midfield player in Scotland this season. Uh, unless I think McGregor was probably one of the few that got pass marks, because he did he did do, do the utmost trying to affect the game. But take him out that role in another park, either a deep-lying role or further up, his absence was, was noticeable. Um, Celtic didn't move the ball quick enough through the middle of the park. Uh, didn't have the, the, the energy in there. And, and Rangers pressed the life out of them in there. Uh, and then and that in turn puts pressure on the, the, the two centre-halves with the ball. As everyone knows, that the, the centre-half Celtic, guys like Boyata, looks like Franz Beckenbauer when he's got time in the ball. But if you press him, not so much. Uh, and he gave the, gave the ball away a lot as well but I think that came from the middle of the park not holding the ball not being able to spin their men not building the play and was it, it was a, caused it all to break down was a big part of that Tom Rogic's absence because when he plays in there you've got that stable bank of two with Brown and, and Cham that are sitting there and just in front you have Rogic who gets in between the lines and causes all sorts of problems but not only that Callum McGregor comes inside as well and it becomes a sort of four man midfield that Rangers have just struggled yeah it's at. quick it's quick it's good. It can take the ball to feet in tight areas and, it's, and it moves the ball quickly. Didn't have that on Saturday. 
Um, Brown and Cham haven't played together that much this season. Very similar kind of roles. And I think they kept bumping into each other and they're occupying the same kind of positions in the park. Whereas if you've got a McGregor in there, he's more fluid, he can move about the park. I think that was a problem. Listen, the Celtic formation didn't work. The, 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 the game plan didn't work. Uh, as I say, much of that was down to the way Rangers played. I think they were, they were impressive. I mean, actually watching the game, you think they can't keep this up. The Rangers can't keep this up for, for 90 minutes. I think they got to be 80 and the tanks started emptying, which was impressive because the work rate was unbelievable. Uh, you look at Jack, Arfield, I mean, pressing all the time. It didn't give Celtic an inch of space, which was, was, was key. Listen, it's a high-risk strategy. We've seen Rangers teams in the past trying to press Celtic and they get bypassed and they get hammered. Uh, so I understand there's always a reticence to do that kind of, that kind of game plan. But when it works it, against Celtic, it really works. We've seen it Hearts doing it, we've seen Hibs doing it, Kamarnock doing it, Livingston doing it. When it works, it can be really, really effective and it was really effective on Saturday. For me, that was because Celtic's shape allowed Rangers to essentially go man for man. And it wasn't anything tactically exciting or new. It was a case of go out there, play against your man, win your individual battles. Yeah. I thought all the Rangers players overcame their opponent in the game. There was very few Celtic yeah. players that even got past marks. You're looking at the man-by-mans uh, from Craig Swan in the paper this morning. Craig Gordon's the only one that gets above six. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's probably accurate. I say, like I say, Callum McGregor, I think would be the only one that, that really emerged. I mean, Craig Gordon, I thought, had some terrific saves. Um, but then Craig was also culpable, because I think a lot of the time, but then he's under pressure because the ball's back to him a few times and, and the, the options aren't there because they've gone man for man. Can't build, play from the back. Um, so his distribution wasn't great either. And it put the team under a lot of pressure. I think, I think nearly the second goal, early in the second half, because of that as well. Um, a misplaced pass to Bayata, whose feet were on a mess all day. Um, but Celtic when we weren't quite at it which meant that they go man for man with first touch is not there the first pass is not there the ball's breaking it's getting picked up by Rangers on the, on the back foot and that was a, that was the theme of the whole day um, Celtic were just unbelievably poor but this, this is not this is not a, a Celtic performance that is particularly out the blue I mean I, I, I think this has been a long time coming in fact it's not even a long time coming it's happened already we've seen it against Hibs sort of against Hearts Livingston come out drop points left right and centre away from home so it's not particularly surprising that this is a silly team that has has had problems emerging for the last calendar, well, last calendar year, since last January, really. Um, I think it, the result of this is always going to happen. Listen, they're always going to lose to Rangers at some point. You, they, win, they win 10 out of 12, unbeaten 12. It's always going to happen. Listen, we've seen poorer Rangers teams beating better Celtic teams. We've seen poorer Celtic teams beating better Rangers teams. Uh, I remember Celtic going to Ibrox and winning a, a derby with Mike Galloway and the team and all that stuff. It happens through the years by their side. So it's always going to happen. But I think this is not just a one-off result because I think Celtic have got issues that have to be addressed. They haven't been addressed in the last 12 months and it's a culmination of things that have, have occurred. Um, recruitment hasn't been good enough. But Celtic, I mean, the, the backup players that were brought in to, to keep um, to cover for guys like Kieran Tierney aren't good enough. If, if, if Kieran Tierney can't make it, they bought Azegeri to cover him, didn't trust him. Johnny Hayes bought to play left-sided wing-back, didn't trust him in the big game. Christian Gamboa is bought to cover Michael Lustig. He goes off, putting the kid... Who's buying these players? But because I, sometimes you get a sense that Brendan Rodgers isn't delighted with Izaguiri coming in. Well, see, this is this is a thing. A lot of, a lot of ire is targeted towards Lee Congerton um, as head of recruitment. Understandable, right? But there's very few clubs in the world that, that buy players that aren't good enough and the manager doesn't get the blame for it. They blame the head of recruitment or the scouts. Um, the manager's got the final say. If the players that are getting put forward by the head of recruitment aren't good enough then the manager can get shot of him. So at some point, the manager is the man... Listen, Brendan Rodgers, listen, in fairness to Rodgers, any time Congleton's name is mentioned to him um, about transfers, 
he'll say, no, 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 that's, he's doing a good job, it's managers and all that stuff. So he's got to take responsibility. A lot of these players that are coming in, Yusuf Malumbu, answers on the postcard. These guys, the guys who are, there's not been enough players that are upgrades on the ones that have been there. The ones that have left haven't been replaced with sufficient quality and the ones brought in to back up the main players aren't trustworthy, which means they shouldn't be bought in the first place. So that, that, that this has happened over maybe 12, 18 months. There's not been enough upgrading in that Celtic team. Listen, don't listen, don't be wrong, they're still the strongest team in Scotland. They still have got enough tools, you suspect, to kick on again after the new year. They'll probably buy two or three players. Who they are, we'll have to wait and see. But in this past 12 months, they've only collected 73 points in the calendar year. That's not runaway title form. That's not invincible form. It's less than Kilmarnock. It's less than Kilmarnock. So this is not a, a, a surprise defeat. This has been coming for a while. Uh, it just so happens that Rangers have got their act together this game and figured out a way to play against Celtic. Michael, you're an astute observer of things as they develop at Parkhead. Do you sense that another face-off is brewing between Peter Lowell and Brendan Rodgers over January? Well, or, could, or could brew? Potentially. I think... I think Listen, there's always this temptation among some Celtic fans to, when Celtic get a bad result, it's, they'll say, that's Brendan Rodgers sending out a message to the board. <laughs> it's like, it's, not, it's never just picking the wrong team or the wrong formation. It's, yeah. always, it's a message. It's, it's so infallible that even a defeat is a, is a coded message to the board. It's, I think it's hilarious. Uh, it may just be, I picked a duff team and they played badly. Um, but I think there is going to be, listen, the summer was a disaster for Celtic. I mean, there's no getting around it. The summer was a complete catastrophe in the transfer market. Um, and, the, and the blame is is not just the manager, the head of recruitment, the chief executive. It's a combination of all of them. They made a mess of the transfer window. Um, they should have had, on deadline day, as soon as Mr. Dembele picks up his backpack and heads out the door, there should have been three or four options ready to hit the button on for a striker. There and then, on the day. Other clubs can get on a striker in the last minute. Two or three options, you can do it. It's, it's that, there should be options there. There weren't, there weren't, or they couldn't get them over the line. Uh, that was a failure. Because, listen, even last season, Lee Griffiths had problems, injury problems. This year, we know he's had other issues. And Brendan Rodgers uh, admitted himself that the problems that have kept him out have been ongoing for some time. Exactly. So it's not a particular surprise. He, and he, he keeps telling us now that he didn't want uh, Eduard to play a week in, week out his age, which I think that's another little bit of a kind of deflection because he's six months younger than Tian Tierney, who's played 170 games. So I don't buy that either. That's a bit of kind of um, camouflage when he wasn't playing particularly well. But they still need a backup striker. Um, so to go to the Irox without a striker and have to pay, play a, a, a 19-year-old winger up front as a kind of, well, what do you want to do? What do you call hipster, a loose nine or a false nine, whatever you want to call it, um, is a bit ridiculous, really. And it's another example of the failure of the, 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 the summer transfer window. And that's has to, they cannot afford to do that again this January window because, listen, there's a title race happening now. There is a t- if you're collecting 75, 73 points in 12 months, there's a title race because that's not runaway championship form. Celtic fans are in full voice on Twitter with regards to Mikael Lustig. You think right back is the first place that they're going to look? Listen, right back has been an issue for Celtic for three. Or four, listen, three years ago we were told Lustig couldn't play twice a week because he was falling to bits. He admitted himself he struggled to play twice a week. I think the first season under Rodgers, I thought he was terrific. Last year I thought he was a little bit patchy. This year he's shown signs that he's that he's even held together by blue tack. I, I I don't quite go along with the, the, the kind of Lustig bashing. Kind of mob. I think I think he's been a decent servant with the Celtic. As a guy that's got sixty odd caps for Sweden, played at World Cups, European Championships, countless European games, he's done, he's done a decent job. I think he's still the best option at right back. But when he is feeling the effects of of a, um, a very busy three years internationally and domestically, I think he's shown signs and he's helped. But 
again, it goes back to recruitment. This, this is not a new problem. Gamboa was brought in two years ago. Not good enough. Uh, and you're relying on a, a kid to come in again in a big high-pressure game. It's, uh, it just goes back to the, the fact that recruitment hasn't been quite, quite good enough. A lot of people also talking about Scott Brown. Uh, as I said at the start, I thought it was a very, very poor performance, especially given how he's bossed previous old firm games. As you say, he gave the ball away on several occasions. He, he was second in the tackle to Scott Arfield, who I thought pretty much had him in his back pocket almost for the entire game, which is very, very unusual for Scott Brown in a game of this magnitude. Do you get a sense with Scott Brown, he's coming to a very key point in his career, whether or not to take this three-year deal on offer from Australia or whether to stick with Celtic and perhaps this game will have made some decisions for him? I don't know. I think I think he's still. I think he's swaying regardless of this game. I don't think either. I don't know if this maybe result will sway either way. But uh, listen, he's at that age that I've seen players that can that legs can go overnight. I don't think that's the case with Scott. I mean, he's not played that much in recent months. He's just coming back at the side in the last few weeks, having been out injured. He's clearly not up to speed as yet. I mean, he's way off the pace uh, yesterday. Um, but I, I wouldn't. I would write him off at your apparel. We had, we've been here before with Scott Brown as well. I mean, Scott Brown was written off three years ago as a as a, a busted flush, but he came back strong. Um, but he's got two year more years on the clock. Was he thirty three now? Um, I think. I think Celtic fans got a wee glimpse of the future with Cal McGregor in that role, and that, that coincided with a team the team returning to form. Um, and I think the him coming back in Easter Road, he was poor Easter Road as well. But again, he still finds his feet after about a long time, and. You only ever talk about guys within their, th- like their 30s. If they have a bad game, legs have gone. It's not just a bad game. If he's 25 and has a bad game, well, Cham's 22 in a bad game. He's not, no one's talking about his legs gone. Whereas Brown, it's because he's his age, people are naturally inclined to think his legs have gone. That's, that's That has to be the reason for it. I always think as well, with Callum McGregor, he's going to be great in games where you're playing against a deep-lying defence. If you're playing against Kilmarnock, if you're playing against Aberdeen, if you're playing against St Mirren, he's a guy that can move the ball quickly, open up defences. But if you're playing in Europe, you're going to miss Scott Brown in some of these well, games where you need a defensive-minded player. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I mean, I think McGregor, building the play is... Is tremendous at that, especially that deep line role as well, which is, is so vital to the way Celtic play and the way modern teams play now. Um, but like you say, when you want somebody to screen your defence and, and, and be a, a real proper old fashioned holding midfield player, you don't get much better than, than Scott Brown. Um, I think there is miles, I think there's plenty left to tank with, with, with Scott, but he was, let's be honest, he had a shocker yesterday. Final question on Celtic before we move on to Rangers. If Brendan Rodgers were to lose this title, uh, Michael, how, how much goodwill from the, the double treble? disappears overnight. How bad would that be given where Celtic started and given how far ahead they were if Gerard was to pull off the the miracle of a title win against this Brendan Rodgers side? Right, well first, firstly I can't quite see that scenario unfolding quite just yet. I think there's still a bit to go in terms of the overall title race. I think Celtic have got enough. But if you like to see if it unfolds that way um, I think I think Ben Rogers' stock with Celtic fans would be would be would be would still be very high. I think I think the IR might be targeted elsewhere at the club. I think I think um, the nature of the beast. I think I think the, the, the anger might be funneled towards upstairs at, at Peter Lowell's door, um, and especially Brendan's, after the Brendan, weekend. Uh, yeah, Brendan's um, very cute. Yeah. in how to manage that as well, of course. Well, that's that's what the top managers do. They are a bit cute that way, aren't they? Um, which I move a bit unfair on Peter Lowell, to be honest with you. But like I say, the January window is going to be key to it, uh, and I still think you're still waiting for for, for Celtic to really kick on and, and, and string some results together. But they've now lost four games this season, which is the same as all last year, uh, having lost none. 
in the, in the first season. So there has been a regression. I think everybody's clear to see there's been a regression at the club. Um, and they have to wake up. They can't sleepwalk into this title because they're not going to get this title handed to them on a plate. Okay, we'll move on to Rangers now. I thought they were absolutely tremendous. Uh, going into the game, I had my severe reservations about what they could do against Celtic, especially based on the last few games where they'd looked flat, they'd looked tired. But they were at it right from the off. So the question is, where did that come from? Well, they have got it in them. They have produced, I mean, seen in Europe this year, especially against, they actually tend to play better against better opposition. Um, not quite the way they played against Celtic on Saturday. That was a different kind of style. Um, they got right in there um, and got a major result, which was much needed because I think defeating that game would all but ended the season, to be honest with you. Um, but it was a remarkable performance. Um, it's, a, it's a huge result psychologically for Rangers because the, the Celtic games in the last couple of seasons have been so demoralising. Uh, I think another defeat would have, would have been a, a huge setback psychologically. Um, this gives me a bit of belief. I still think there's work to be done. I don't think you can just ignore the the fact that there is still a lack of cutting edge in this the, the team. Uh, they can be quite ponderous at times when they're having to break down teams, which is, let's be honest, the majority of the weeks of the season. So therefore, it's 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 not all of a sudden hunky dory because of of this victory. What it does do is give them a huge platform. They're they're, they're, they're joint top of the table, albeit by a game in hand, um, certainly by a game in hand. But they're now in position and they can strengthen again. In January, what Gerard's done is he's, he's, he's created a team that he's installed a, a spine, a steel core in the team. I mean, what he may have touched on it earlier on the one individual battles that's something that's not happened. Rangers teams in recent years they've been pretty spineless. I mean, let's be honest, they capitulate the first time of time of trouble. This team looks a bit more resolute. Um, so the first and foremost, he's made them harder to beat, uh, they're much more solid, they don't crumble under pressure. Um, they still could do a cutting edge, but that's not might come because there's another transfer. He's only had one transfer window, Gerard, but he's, he's put them in position, made them solid, and he's got them running through big walls because a lot of that, listen, a lot of it, the the, the win Saturday it wasn't about finesse. It was about sheer desire, work rate, and determination, and that's something that's been lacking at Rangers for I don't know how long, uh, embarrassingly so at times. I mean, you look back twelve months ago to the, the double header, not even twelve months ago, the double header Old Firm games in the last season, and it was pathetic to go from there to this is remarkable um, but they can't just sit back and rest in the laurels and think that's all hunky-dory and we're going to win the league now because it's not that's not the case because as I said over the years in all firm games poorer teams are beating better teams and one-off results and then it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things it's about getting three points against Dundee on a Wednesday night away from home it's about beating Aberdeen at Ibrox it's about holding, getting the light winner holding off against Hibs it's, these are the results that win leagues not the one-off games against Celtic and Rangers um, they need to string a run of wins together when they get back from the, the break um, and keep it in there until March. And then we'll find out what happens because Celtic aren't used to being in the title race that late in the season. They mean, listen, we'll talk about them winning the big games when they need to in the last couple of seasons. But winning game after game after game, that's when we'll see what they're made of as well. But Rangers, they've taken a huge step in the right direction. Uh, like I say, there's still work to be done. Um, I still think could do a bit of cutting edge and by the way it could have come back to bite them on, on Saturday uh, the one goal lead was, was was pretty fragile I mean the, the Callum McGregor whisker offside if Celtic got a draw at that it'd be Dick Turpin stuff but it'd be another example we'd be sitting here talking about the Rangers lack cutting edge they had so many chances didn't put them away sort of against Hibs sort of numerous games this season not putting teams to bed but 
that you can add to that. I think Kent coming back from injuries a big a big bonus for him. He was terrific on Saturday. Well, that's it. Rangers are very very strong if they have their full starting eleven, but they don't really have the strength and depth, especially in the final third that, that makes a difference against uh, the better teams. You saw Ryan Kent was really really strong. He's been good in Europe. Yeah. Scott Arfield. You take those two out. There's not a lot of creativity in there. Yeah. You go back down into their uh, second string and it's mostly defensive-minded players. You look at Rossa or you look at Koulibaly who's sort of fallen by the wayside a yeah. little bit. These yeah. guys aren't the guys that are going to change a game. No, no. I still think they need, they need a bit of creativity in that final third uh, for the second half of the season. I mean, they need another striking option. I mean, a lot of some on his shoulders. I thought he was thought he was very good Saturday. You think he was uh, a wee bit lucky not to get sent off or certainly get a couple of yellow... No, no, certainly no, get a yellow card? There's no doubt. I think... Uh, I think the first, he's talking about three instances involved in the, the, the kick out at Brown early on. I thought he, it should be a yellow card minimum. Brutality? Well, I, I mean, I think it goes back to <laughs> if you're booting somebody at the backside, you're, you're running the risk of getting a red card. Um, could he argue there's a ball somewhere there that he was to, to keep it going in for? I don't know. The other ones, I don't think there's enough. The, 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 the Ralston, the, the so called stamp, I don't think there's enough in that to, to merit much. I think, listen, he. He, he, he let us stood in but I don't think he could prove it oh, oh, for me uh, all, all three of like, out was a bit of a I don't think it was much in that either really to be honest with you the brown one yeah was yellow perhaps bordering well, all three for me are slightly <coughs> petulant um, all of them on a different day could have been yellow cards yeah. and certainly for me the brown one could have been a red it could have been a red he's like a hockey boy not to be sent, sent off yeah I think you could argue I, that I, and you know I think Stephen Gerrard and we've said it so many times, just needs to get a hold of this lad and say, look, you know how important you are to this team. And if you're going to get sent off in a game that's finally in the balance like it, like it was against Celtic, you're letting your teammates down. Now, that was in the third or fourth minute of the game. I, I, imagine if you got sent off at that I point think again. I just going to have to take it off of this move with them. Do you not think he's had this conversation? <laughs> I mean, you're literally real headbutting a brick wall because he's, he had this conversation, I don't know how many times, and I just think that's just the way he is. I mean, listen, there's, there's guys... Who are like that and into their thirties, and they just that's the way they is. And, and unfortunately, there's going to be times when he lets his team down, and there's going to be times when he scores the winner. Um, See, I wonder if it's Daniel Candias that's the problem because he's the interpreter. See the wind up merchant. So I don't know if Daniel Candias is a bit of a berserker and he's he's given uh, yeah, the information. Feed him duff information. <laughs> but listen, it, it's, it, it, I don't think I don't know what more they can say um, because he's been warned countless times that he's. This behaviour, but he must get into this, into this game mode, and that's listen the way it is. And you've seen guys through the years that you've played with Parksy, so you know about if you take away someone's Parksy can tackle a first supper. <laughs> no, I mean, kick anyone. <laughs> if you take away that competitive edge, do you take away a lot? But from that's that what player? I mean. I don't know. Do you take that away? Is that he's a man that plays on the edge, obviously? But I think a lot of his, his attributes in Saturday, I mean, he hassled defenders all day. I mean, he, he, he tortured um, Boyata again. As did in the game Ibrox when Nunes lost three two last season, um, so I don't. I think you just have to take it off with the smooth with them. I think they just need to accept that he's he can be a bit of a bomb scare at times. Right, I've got a few questions from Twitter. The one from uh, Neil Cameron at Neil Cameron. Don't know who he is. Um, no idea. What are Gannon's ten worst goalkeeping bloopers? <laughs> now this is a bit of an in joke. I don't, Ma- I don't can, have ten. Can you explain what what this is all about? Because you're getting slaughtered about it constantly. I'd, I'd one bad game for the football writers team. Years of unblemished performances. I'd one slightly dubious game when we played at Murrayfield against the SRU Select, and I, I may have scored two on goals as a, as a goalkeeper, <laughs> which was it wasn't great. I admit it wasn't my best performance. It's become notorious. And Barry Ferguson said, "I thought you were meant to be a goalie." <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I've got one from at Glasgow Chris. What on earth was Rogers playing at? See, I don't know. I mean, I see, like I say, I touched on it earlier on. The, the, the lineup raised a few eyebrows. I mean, the question mark over Edward's fitness, I think, um, when he said that he was only fit to play an hour, um, then you could argue, why wasn't he thrown on after half an hour when the game was sliding away? Um, so it was, a, it was a strange formation. But listen, Rodgers is, 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 a lot of times he's he pulled rabbits out of the hat and, and did things we don't expect, and, you, and it was worked. Um, this time it didn't. I think losing, taking McGregor out of the midfield backfired because he lost the energy and, and work rate and, and quickness of feet in there. Um, didn't work. Uh, now, of course. The false nine thing didn't work either. You have to say on that as well, if McGregor stays an inch further to his right, he's onside and scores the goal from that position. Yeah. And Rogers is a genius again. Yeah, but being dicked up and stuff, I think most people have recognised that it was, it was a doing they got on Saturday. Yeah. Celtic got a doing. Um, I think I say, even Celtic fans on Saturday night would admit it was a doing. Um, but listen, it's going to happen at some point. Um, but I do, as I said, it does strike me of, of um, being part of a wider problem. Uh, at Chris McLaughlin is saying, should Celtic give Rodgers even more money when he's had surely enough to win domestically and his recent signings are terrible? Well, I think I think Celtic need to strengthen, so yeah, it, has to, it has to be given money. Uh, and listen, two out of his three big targets in the, in the summer didn't, didn't materialise. So it, it has, it, and it, people say he spent money. I think you look at his net spend over the over the three years; it's not huge. I mean, there's money in the bank at Celtic. Um, when the Dembele money is filtering through now as well, another twenty million pounds in the coffers. So I, I think you look at his net spend. All right, he spent nine million quid on Edward, but apart from that, he's not really spent season on season. He's not spent any more than any other Celtic manager through the years. Um, you're talking probably net spend of six, seven, eight, nine million pound, no more, which is probably not far off what Rangers spent in the summer. So I think he's earned the right to get a few no, quid. Stephen Gerrard says it's five million, but managers, uh, managers, are, ma- <laughs> you never know where you're at with these transfer no, fees, do you? No, managers. When a player, the team's saying a club, they say, "Oh, we bought him for five million quid." Then when he's turned it to be dud, they say, "Oh, we only paid a million pound for him." It's like, these things are all very fluid. <laughs> uh, it's when they suits them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, what, what can Celtic really do other than back Brendan Rodgers? The guy's won seven trophies in a row. I mean, he deserves to be backed. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, we're being critical, but only because they've set to the high standard. I mean, you can't really complain about the, the job that Rodgers has done at Celtic in the last three years. It's been incredible. He's won seven trophies out of seven. Um, but he he's a, he said himself, he's, he's not like I said he's told he's coded messages, but he said himself he wants to strengthen the team, so he has to be allowed to, to strengthen albeit there has to be targets that are realistic. Uh, I've got one from uh, LaBelle Genie. Yesterday was a sore one, obviously a Celtic fan. Rangers kicked us off the park and we allowed them to do it. Not good enough. Is that fair? Nah, I'm not, I'm not particularly having that. I mean, it's, an, it's an old firm game. It's not a tick-on contest. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, listen, we might have touched on Scott Brown. I mean, Scott Brown has, has exerted his influence on these games for, for years, um, bumped against people and, and been strong in the tackle. Which I don't think... Um, I think I see the Morelos ones were a bit naughty, one or two of them maybe. But like I say, it's an old firm game. It's we've seen a, we even seen a drop ball contested, which you never <laughs> see these days. Yeah, that was ridiculously fierce the way Scott Arfield went in for that. But they both they both did. And, oh, and this, this should be more of it should be encouraged. <laughs> <laughs> Forget your Cruyffian disciples. This is real Scottish football. Get the contesting Get for the each other. <laughs> contesting for the drop ball. 
Um, I thought Rangers were aggressive, but very fair. There was hardly a bad challenge in that whole game, to be honest. I mean, um, and it was all over the pitch. Even Rangers' more attack-minded players, someone as skillful as Ryan Kent, and you saw many examples of his his quality throughout the game. A couple of great moments when he did that sort of Zidane turn when he was running through and goal. Yeah, was, a little kind of pirouette through the crowd. Absolutely um, terrific to see that. And, yeah. and, and, and then, the he gets, then he gets cemented, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> um, but... but even players like him was was getting stuck in throughout the game, and you saw that fr- from the get go with Rangers. That was probably the difference, wasn't it? Just the the aggression and the intensity that they played. Yeah, I've not seen that for a long time from a Rangers team in this fixture, um, and so that that was for, for Rangers fans to see their team rolling their sleeves up and getting stuck in was is a, was a welcome return. Uh, like I say, it's not been a long time; it's been absent, um, but I don't think it was over, over physical. It's um, having seen old firm games for nearly 40 years that was one of the more tame ones 40 years well I'm 40 you're never, I'm, you're I'm never 40, 40 Michael 40 in 6 months 7 months oh, the, the, the well, you're at least ticking. 50 I know that's the thing <laughs> I, feel a bit, I feel a bit 60 okay well that's going to be all from us we'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers and all things Celtic but this time on separate channels if you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate you can by tweeting us at Record Sport um, Michael what's your Twitter handle if anyone wants to abuse you or give you praise it's at Michael Gannon ah. <laughs> but be careful because there's also a Michael Gannon yoga instructor and I think he got dogs abuse for a comma wrote last week <laughs> well uh, I'm the same at Johnny R McFarlane if you want to direct anything towards me don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available and if you liked it please review and rate us on there too thanks for listening